Welcome to another Monday Pun Day here on The Inner Life. Don't know if you've heard, but a courtroom artist was arrested over the weekend. The details are sketchy. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. We're all about giving you some encouragement and inspiration for living out your Catholic faith today and maybe a small chuckle or groan, too. By the way, if you do have a pun that you'd like to share with me, send it to me at innerlife@relevantradio.com, and make sure and include your name, parish, and city in the email. As it's Lent, we have our parish, school, and religious ed confessions coming up in just over a week. Maybe your parish is doing something similar. And it's a good Lenten thing to do, right? A bit of self-examination guided by the Holy Spirit and then owning up to the ways we've turned away from God and doing so in the sacrament of confession and, of course, receiving absolution from our Lord's bountiful mercy. It's always good, as Hebrews reminds us, to rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us. Well, I, for one, certainly don't like lugging around the weight of sin in my life. I mean, venial sin is bad enough, but if I should happen to be guilty of a mortal sin, I can't wait to get to the confessional. The words of St. Francis from his Canticle of the Sun often ring in my ears, Praised be you, my Lord, through sister death from whom no one living can escape. Woe to those who die in mortal sin. Blessed are they she finds doing your will. No second death can do them harm. Well, St. Francis knew that we will all face the judgment seat of God at some point, and we all have a responsibility to get ready. At the same time, though, I think we need to remember, especially perhaps in Lent, that God's judgment is a good thing. It's actually a gift to us. To all human persons. It's an expression of his love. Well, today on the program, we're going to look at that a bit further as we explore the particular and the final judgment. We'll have a look at what the church teaches about both, what they mean for us, and why they're actually a gift. Joining us as our spiritual director is Father Carter Griffin. Father Griffin is the rector of St. John Paul II Seminary in Washington, D.C., and he's published three books, why Celibacy, Reclaiming the Fatherhood of the Priest, Cross-Examined, Catholic Responses to the World's Questions, and Forming Fathers, Seminary Wisdom for Every Priest. Father Griffin, welcome back to the show. Good to be having, good to be having a discussion with you on this. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. It's a little bit of a different topic for us here on The Inner Life, but the universal and particular judgment. Well, maybe just uh, would you agree with me that uh, this, the the... I don't know, the threat, quote-unquote, of, uh, of judgment coming up is actually a gift to us? Uh, I th- without a doubt, yeah. I think it's, it's the judgment that will be um, sort of the necessary condition for us to enjoy the beatitude of heaven, for one thing. Mm-hmm. But also judgment is really God's, it's a way that God has expressed his uh, respect for our own freedom and how mm-hmm. he made us and the fact that, that he has... Uh, he has put into our hands, and He will always give us the grace that we need in order to, in order to do the right thing, in order to be, to be judged well. But at the same time, it's also a recognition that that we have in that freedom the capacity not to choose the right. But the, that profound respect for our dignity is something that the judgment sort of presumes. And so I yeah. think it's it's good on all it's good on all on all fronts, really. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, and um, when we're talking about judgment and the, ju- I mean, it's to face judgment does always it gets it's it's not always met with a lot of you know peace and and uh, tranquility when it comes to that. But um, because there is there is this uh, understanding that we are not perfect as our Lord is perfect, that there are ways in which we have we have strayed from the path marked out for us. And yet, um, judgment is so inherent in, as you were saying, in God's, the way that he communicates his love for us and his uh, His gift of free will for us and that sort of thing. So is there a right way? What is the right way of looking ahead to judgment, God's judgment? Well, I think, first of all, it's a, it's um as we look at our lives, we that there is this responsibility that we each have for not just doing the right thing, but living in a way that that is in full accord with our dignity as sons and daughters of God. That 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 we have choices to make, and those choices are not just do I follow the rules or not, um, but really that the rules are there. It's sort of the reverse. That the rules are there because these are these are ways that we can grow and flourish as a human being. And mm. we've each been made stewards of our own lives. That's kind of the most important. Um, kind of jo- job we each have is to to be good stewards of our own lives, of our own souls, of our own destiny, and and knowing that God is there at our side constantly to give us the graces that we need in order to in order to thrive and to flourish, even if what that thriving looks like at that moment might be repenting of for sins or overcoming our defects. And so, if we look at judgment as really kind of the culmination of a long of a long process that God is at our side constantly nourishing this capacity for us to freely choose the right thing. Then we see judgment, uh, our own our own individual judgment, um, as something that is, we, 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 we look forward to it, you know, and, and that's that's easy to say and hard to do. I mean, there we, we also have kind of the fallen, you know, the old man within each of us has sort of a fear of being judged, and uh, even by by the most merciful and best of fathers and judges, uh, even there we kind of shrink away from it. But but if we if we correspond to the graces that God that Jesus wishes to give us constantly throughout our lives, then in the end we really have nothing to fear. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, that is a it's a great gift and it's a great understanding as well that there is such a, the the grace of Christ is so bountiful as I said before and so wonderful that we uh, we are constantly. We are constantly able, enabled to call upon that here in our in our mortal life. Well, let's start kind of uh, differentiating here a little bit because the church differentiates between uh, the particular judgment and the final judgment. What is the particular judgment, Father? Sure. Well, the particular judgment is what happens when each of us individually dies. That we um, that at the moment of our death uh, we. We we are there, there's a judgment of our actions, all the actions of our of our lives, uh, and and the soul is placed on in a sense on a on a on a path through purification towards heaven or uh, directly in heaven or else um, immediate uh, damnation. You know that that's kind of what the particular judgment is, uh, and and the um, it's before the resurrection, right? So that the, there's a sense in which it's a kind of it's not temporary in the sense that that the decision or the judgment is going to change, but it's temporary in the sense that it isn't complete yet, uh, mm-hmm. because there there will eventually also be the resurrection, as we say every Sunday of the of uh, the resurrection, the the last the re- the final resurrection, yeah, of the yeah. body. And so it's the to the particular judgment that, for instance, Saint Paul in Second Corinthians five says, "We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive good or evil according to what he has done in the body." He's referring to the particular judgment in that case, yeah. 
Precisely, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so if that's, and that was, just to clarify once again, that is, according to the teachings of the Church, that is, that occurs right at the moment of our earthly death, yeah? Correct. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right. So, um, and and this is particularly, I think, one of those things that uh, that you said you made reference to. This is not going to change. So there's not a there's not a kind of a waiting period, or there's a uh, not there's not to, you know you 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 died, but then oh you're given one last chance that sort of thing. But it, it just said nope. That's that's kind of the end of it. That's when uh, our our choices have been all been made at that at that point of. Uh, expiring from the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I, once I heard this, a very interesting approach to, you know, when we think about the angels, for instance, that, um, the, the kind of perfection of intellect and will that they have and the fact that they don't have passions to, um, in a sense, disturb our, our, our judgments of things, our judgments of actions, right and wrong means that their choice once and for all was definitive. Um, and so Lucifer, when he fell, it was, it wasn't after a long period of time where he was repenting and so forth. The angels have a different path towards God, but, but we, we don't, we have this, and, and I heard it once said that it's kind of interesting that, you know, what is unusual is not that the angels can't repent, um, but that we can, right? And so to see mm-hmm. all of the opportunities throughout our lives when we are repenting and turning back to the Lord, those are kind of minor miracles and this constant and, 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 a, and a testament to the Father's love and his mercy for us that he's constantly calling us back. So what happens at the end of our life is that in a sense, what all those choices that we've been making are, are kind of fully integrated. Um, and, and so what is, what is fixed, it's fixed in a certain respect in the sense that the vessel is, is that doesn't mean that we live in a kind of perpetual state of kind of, uh, you know, cryogenic <laughs> frozen or something like that. Right. It yeah. just, it just means that who we are is who we are. And that will be true for all eternity, which, which is why at the particular judgment, there's one final judgment, which incorporates and, and, and looks at everything, you know, that, that the father sees all knows through the depths of the heart and that that will be immutable. And one of the questions I think that that sometimes comes up anyway is that when we face that particular judgment, I mean that's that's just kind of uh, it's it's individual. In other words, it's not it's not necessarily that I you know at that point am able to say that well you know yeah but all these people were such a such an influence on me or I, I didn't mm-hmm. realize or something like that. But yet at the same time knowing that. Jesus knows our circumstances, our hearts, you know, even better than we do. Exactly. You know, I mean, I think the more that we have fallen in love with God here on earth, which is certainly what he wants for us, uh, not just for his sake, but for our sake, um, the more that we've done that, the more we know who he is and the less we fear him, you know, the less we, we have true fear of God. We have a fear of offending our good father, but there isn't the kind of the fear of a, uh, a mistake being made or a fear of kind of the, you know, the towering figure who's sort of setting a bar that we have to jump over, otherwise he's not going to let us into the pearly gates. You know, like right. those are fears that we realize are, are totally misplaced. Uh, we, have, we have a father who is desperately d- dying for us, literally has let his son to die for us, mm. uh, for us to be in heaven with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always something that's worthy of keeping in mind. Well, let's open up the phone lines now and uh, get some of our listeners' questions and, and observations about the particular judgment, which we're talking about now. We'll move on to the final judgment here in a little bit. Uh, if you'd like to join the conversation, if you have specific uh, thoughts about the particular judgment of God, maybe you have questions about, well, how do I approach this? Or, or what should be my attitude toward this? Or my attitude toward the judge, Christ himself? Well, 
Uh, give us a call. Join the conversation. Our toll-free studio line is 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. That's sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Or you can send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And Father, I guess as um, as we look at that now, I'm I know that you're out there in D.C. and I've been to the the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception out there, the Basilica, a number of times. Mm-hmm. And there's this great uh, up in the dome, um, the Christ Pantocrator is you know portrayed mm-hmm. up in the dome. He has a rather stern look on his face, if I must <laughs> say. And that's one of those things too, though, right? Is that that again? It's kind of. It, I, I don't know. I'm getting this both that, yes, he died for us. He died of love for us. And through his crucifixion, we know of the love of God. St. Paul tells us that. But at the same time, knowing that he is judge of all. So I guess a, a lot of folks might have a little bit of trouble kind of figuring that out. How, how What does that mean for me? Where do I fall in that? Right. Yeah. I, 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 that is a great image. And people call it the angry Jesus or whatever. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's a little, it's a little unfair because I, I, mean, I it, it's a, it, there's a seriousness to him and, you know, and all the Pantocrator images, which is a very common image, especially in the East, but, but it's, um, there's a seriousness of it, but it's not anger. If you, I mean, it, it's, which is a very interesting distinction. I mean, the, the judgment is a, is a very serious thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that he is, all-powerful and the one through whom all things are made well that's a good thing right i mean it means that it means that nothing is more powerful than jesus we want him to be the emperor of the universe which is what pantagrater essentially means we want him to be all-powerful because if he's all-powerful then satan for example isn't right um and and so that the sense of like the the lord our lord is a powerful lord he's the most powerful of all lords but that doesn't mean he's not good you know and it doesn't mean that he's kind of um capriciously angry or something like that you know and, and we might say the wrong thing he's not moody you know yeah um, okay. it, it's very yeah. it's very it's very clear you know that what 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 it means to remain in jesus um and he's made that very clear and he's given us all the means to stay in it so i think where we are is it's a kind of a both and once again you know where we see his goodness and his mercy his desire for us to be in heaven the fact that he's won for us all the grace we need to be in heaven forever but at the same time taking seriously our freedom including our freedom to reject that uh, and that's where the seriousness comes from, um, the life or death seriousness of, of, of judgment. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that when um, when you or any of our good priests, you know, when they when they make a visit to somebody who's uh, just moments perhaps away from death, that uh, that mm-hmm. there's always an opportunity for reconciliation, for confession, for apostolic pardon, those sorts of things. And I guess in that, I want to ask. Um, so there is something that's merited even by, um, as it were, a deathbed turning to the Lord, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it, to the very end. I mean, obviously, what we do in our life, you know, before that point will make a big difference or what happens at that point. Um, but to be sure, there are, you know, and, and I think in a sense we see we see this that as a good example of just God not giving up. And there are times where even on a deathbed somebody realizes, and, and sometimes we see that, there may be times that we don't see where that happens. Uh, and we don't see any vi- visible sign of it, which is why the church says that we pray for all souls who have right. gone, even if, even if we're not, you know, even if it seems like there's not much of a chance that they're in heaven, we don't, we don't ever assume that. And we, so we continue to pray for, for the souls, knowing that the prayers are never in vain. But to be sure, those deathbed uh, conversions, that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean it's a powerful image, but uh, yet at the same time, let's let's make sure that we underscore that 
that's probably not the best plan of, <laughs> of of turning to Christ. Oh yeah, if I'm if I'm wrong or if I'm doing things that God doesn't approve of, well, I'll just make a deathbed deathbed confession. It'll be fine, right? Well, it was one of the signs I think that there was a certain rigorous tendency that had infiltrated the early church. I mean, there were a lot of obviously many holy things, many holy saints, and but there was this tendency to because of the rigors of penance. Um, that many people, including for famously the Emperor Constantine, for example, put right. off their death, put off their conversion until later because they figured, well, I've got basically one shot at this, and so there was this tendency to be a catechumen for years or decades, you know, and then and then basically pin your hopes on the fact that you're going to have an opportunity before dying, which of course we know doesn't always happen, right? Uh, yeah. To actually to to be baptized or to to re- to fully repent. So I, I think that that was one of the signs that maybe. You know there need to be a little bit of a corrective, and now now we do understand that of course there's there's going to be many opportunities throughout life to repent and to change, and so there's no need to wait. You know, and and all we do is needlessly, in a sense, risk frankly our own salvation uh, by doing that instead of repenting here and now. You know, today and now is is always a great mantra, mantra for a Christian. Right. Yeah. That's that's a great that's a great reminder. Yes. Now is the day of salvation, as we hear, mm-hmm. yeah, through, especially throughout Lent. Right. We hear that from uh, yeah the scriptures all the time. Is that yes? Yeah. Today, now is the time to do it to turn to the Lord. Well, we're having a great discussion about specifically. We've been focusing on the particular judgment with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin. We're going to tie in the universal or final judgment as well, coming up just after our first break. But join the conversation with your questions. Maybe you have ideas about how best to approach the idea of the judgment of God coming each and every one of our way uh, at the end of our mortal life. Well, give us a call. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149-888-914-9149 or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We are going to take our first break, but we got more of the conversation coming up right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers, invites high school juniors, seniors, and recent graduates to study the great books this summer at UD's two-week-long Arate program while earning three hours of college credit. Info at relevantradio.com slash udallas. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio, on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. Thanks for joining us. We're talking about the judgment of God, universal and particular judgment, with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin, rector of St. John Paul II Seminary in Washington, D.C. Father, um, fascinating conversation so far. I think um, really one of the things as we're talking about the the forthcoming judgment of God on each of us as individuals uh, at the particular judgment Specifically, I think one of the things is that, uh, you know, you bump into folks on the street, and I think if you'd asked a majority of them, okay, so what do you think about the afterlife? And uh, if they were to believe in the afterlife, it seems like anyway that a lot of folks just kind of presume that, yep, I'll uh, I'll look forward to heaven, you know, and, and whatever their concept of that is. Um, and I think one of the one of the things that a lot of people would say that, well, you know, I'm a good person. I never killed anybody. <laughs> Somehow that's always the standard. I don't know. I don't know why that is. But I think the church invites us to something much more deep and much more profound when it comes to examining our own consciences. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you do. You hear that a lot. You know, I'm, I'm a good person. I haven't killed anybody. And you want to say, like, you know, I think God has a slightly higher bar for us than whether we've just been. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, right. he, our call, our calling is to become a saint. You know, it's not just to not kill anybody. So the first thing to point out is just sort of say, like, you look, the the uh, God has so much of a, so much more in 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 mind for us, and He wants us to flourish on so many levels. He wants us to become so fully ourselves, and and it's the fullness of life that the Christian faith calls us to and and invites us into. So the first thing is like getting away from the well, I didn't break any laws, you know, therefore I shouldn't be in jail kind of approach, mm. which is really what that's coming from. It's sort of a po- sort of a positivistic understanding of well, it's not really, the law is not there as an expression of what is good for us, but a law is just there because God has more power than us and we have to obey him because otherwise, you know, and, and people have rightly rejected that. And so I think when they, a lot of times when people sort of believe in this, it, this implicit belief in, in universalism, that, that everyone is just saved, I think it's implicitly because they are rejecting this false idea that God is just a, a kind of more powerful, strong man that we have to obey, otherwise we go to hell. In fact, it's, it's very different. That God is the one who has sent his son so that we can avoid going to hell, which is something that we have chosen, right? And when people uh, consciously choose not to follow the inspirations of grace and to live in a way that we're made to live, which is what the commandments and God's commands are all about, um, then we, we've put ourselves in hell. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to paraphrase it, but C.S. Lewis, I think in The Great Divorce, which is must-reading, by the way, it's, it's such yeah. a great reflection. It's a parable, obviously. It's not doctrinal, but it, it is a great reflection on kind of heaven and hell. But anyway, the idea is that we all, those who go, who go to hell end up, you realize that they started to live their hell on earth. And those who go to heaven, they started to live heaven on earth. That we, we already begin to live eternal life in a certain sense now. And so living as we're meant to live, living in conformity with God's commands, becoming more fully human, is really the beginning of heaven. And who doesn't want to live that way? But let's face it, we also know people who are starting to live hell on earth, uh, and they're moving in that direction. And there's no reason why at death that's, that's going to change. And there, it's kind of presumption to think that it will change, especially when Jesus speaks so clearly and so often about the reality of hell. So I think that there, are, I think it's a very dangerous thought. This idea that well, it doesn't really matter what you do; everyone just goes to heaven. It's very common, but I think it's extraordinarily dangerous. And I think, by the way, speaking to us priests now, one of the most unpastoral thing that a priest can do is is suggest that everybody's going to go to heaven anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you realize that, that 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 there's a busy street there, you're going to worry about <laughs> your children running out into the street and getting hurt. Um, and anyone who really anyone who really cares about people will say. No, this needs to be taken seriously. Not so that we live in utter terror or fear, but so we take seriously the, the call to live now more deeply, fully human lives, grace-filled lives, and begin to live heaven on earth right now. Mm. I like the picture of that, living heaven on earth right now. And uh, it, it meshes well with uh, the words of St. John of the Cross, in the evening of life we will be judged on love alone, a, mm. a God who is love, that there is something much more profound about it than, like you said, Father, of, you know, just, uh, well, there's this all-powerful God who's uh, given us the rules, and so we better abide by them, uh, you know, one of those things. But it's uh, it's entering into this loving relationship indeed. I think another thing that oftentimes comes up when, I, when we think about judgment is, um, you know, we can push it to the ends of our minds, you know, or to uh, farthest push it out of our minds as uh, that, that tends to be a, a tendency. But thanks be to God, we have this holy season of Lent that kind of draws it right back to the fore each and every year. Um, and, you know, we have uh, images of St. Francis and other saints meditating on death with a skull in their hand, you know, that sort of thing. What would you recommend? I mean, is meditating on death and our own mortality, that's something that's probably recommended, yeah? 
I think it is. And I, I think it maybe depends on how we do that. We can do it in a way that is just a little bit sort of morbid or something like that, or kind of almost indulging the, the feeling of fear, almost maybe with the same thing as watching a, you know, a, a horror flick or something like that. That's, that's not the idea, right? The idea is not right. just kind of scare us into doing the right thing, but, but it's like reflecting on the seriousness of life that, that we have choices to make, um, that God takes those choices seriously and that those choices will in effect kind of create, there is a, there is a self creation of a sort, right? That, that, that with self generation the choices we make that God gives us the grace to, 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 to make right choices and, or we can reject that, that, that these do help constitute who we are and the path that we're on. And so like, by looking at the end of that path, by looking, at, by looking at the fact that we will all cross that threshold into eternity will also help us. To, it doesn't mean that we, you know, like what happens now doesn't matter and we're just kind of waiting until we die and then we finally go to heaven. On the contrary, by meditating on death and on the seriousness of, of the judgment, we will also take more seriously today, living in the present moment, uh, and 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 corresponding to the graces that God is setting us right now. So reflecting on death is not something about living in the future. It's very much about living in the present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our spiritual director today, Father Carter Griffin, we're talking about the judgment of God. What do you? What are your views on the judgment of God? Do you fear it? Are you looking forward to meeting the Lord? Are you? Uh, is it something that motivates you to move deeper into love? Give us a call. Join the conversation. Ask your questions, too, about uh, what the Church teaches, and then how might we look at the judgment of God as a gift to us. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or our email address is innerlife@relevantradio.com. Well, I think, too, Father, um, we hear about speaking about dying a holy death, and I think that's been one of the things that has been uh, motivating for, for me, also not just for myself to model it to others, but also looking for people who are kind of modeling that as well. What would you say are the elements of dying a holy death? Well, I think the most important uh, element is that we are dying in a state of grace, uh, which means that we have received the grace that God, the sanctifying grace God has given us in baptism, and we have kept that intact. Um, and uh, we are that that God continues that we have not, in a sense, ejected our divine guest. Um, and if God forbid we have, then we've repented, and particularly through the sacrament of confession. Um, been restored to that state of grace. So the first thing is 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 being in a state of grace. And and of course we never have absolute certainty about that, but we have the moral certainty that God wishes us to be in a state of grace, and we can see by the effects of our lives, you know, um, whether we're in a state of grace, and and take the appropriate steps to restore that if necessary. Mm-hmm. I think another thing to kind of to consider is, do we do we die not just sort of statically in a state of grace, but in a living relationship with God? You know that there's a difference between a kind of, you know, arid uh, conceptual faith, and and the faith where we are actually in living relationship, where where we take our our life of prayer seriously, not because it's a command, but because we want to speak to the Lord every day, where we are in relationship with Our Lady and the saints, where we where we love the Church and her teachings and her pastors, right? That there's a living sense of our faith, um, and that continues. I think as we go into whatever, let's say, a final decline of illness or whatever it might be. I mean, all of those habits and those that way of living continues with us. You know, I'm, I'm always edified by people who maybe are in advanced stages of dementia or Alzheimer's, or maybe they are extremely sick and they are under sedation, but I'll start praying, you know, the Divine Mercy Chaplet with them, and, and their lips are moving. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe nothing else is moving, but their lips are moving to those yeah. words because they've lived that way, and that's just a, an example. But how we live now will very much determine how, how we die. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a good it's a good reminder too. Yeah, that uh, if that's a part of our life now, then uh, as we approach death, that that's going to be a reflection and, and maybe even a magnification of the things that we're doing in in life today. Well, let's uh, let's go to the phones. We've got Kyle calling in from Savage, Minnesota. Kyle, thanks for the calling the inner life. Good morning. Yes. Good morning. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. Just fine. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thanks for this topic. It just uh, inspired me to share something I learned. So I'm a third degree um, Knights in the Knights of Columbus, and I'm not sure if you guys are parts of the night, part of the Knights or not. Um, but one motto um, that I remember going, kind of going through the ranks, if you will, um, it's a Latin motto um, that's, uh, that goes by uh, Tempus Fugit Momento Mori. Um, are you familiar with that, that saying, or that motto? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Time flies. Remember death. <laughs> yeah. And, and I just want to, not only do I want to pitch the night to all, all men, especially, um, young men and, and fathers like myself, but, uh, it's a, it was, when I heard that it was just very sober. Um, and so it, it, I think it'd be a great thing to perhaps, Maybe one thing to take up this Lent is perhaps repeat that daily and just remember that uh, time flies. I mean, as the older you get, I'm in my upper 30s. I had a birthday yesterday. Um, time gets gets faster and faster the older you get. And uh, every day I hear stories about how you know, this car accident led to uh, the death of this 20-something-year-old. And so time just flies, and then... Boom! Remember, um, death. It it happens to anyone. Yeah. I think that's a great, great, great reminder, Kyle. Thank you, and um, and and happy birthday, a day late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I, and I too would also call. I, I would agree with that call to encourage young men or any man uh, to consider the Knights of Columbus, which is just such a such a such a gift to the church and. Um, continues to be. And, and that is an example of the kind of thing. Knights of Columbus, I mean, they're out there doing kind of the public works and everything like that, and that's true. But there's also an internal formation that goes on. And part of that is this recognition, as you said, that, you know, that for, with, that, with, that, with that phrase, that motto, Tempus Fugit Memento Mori, which, um, which I would actually relate to something which is uh, maybe not an expression that everyone knows, but I think it makes sense. Um, it's called supernatural outlook, which is really that sense of like being able to see our day in the light of faith. I mean, they're maybe seeing life through the lens of eternity, whatever it might be. But I think but remembering the speed at which time goes and remembering death, like you say, also helps us very much to kind of keep that attitude of faith throughout our day. So there is something about reflecting upon the judgment, um, our own particular judgment, which helps us to live more intensively and more deeply right now. And remember that exactly as you said, hey, I mean, you know, I mean, I may not make it to the end of today. I may not make it to the end of the week or the month or the year. And every year it goes faster and faster. And and praise God, because as beautiful as this life is, it isn't the end. And that's a reminder that we all need sometimes, you know, we try to, we try to put all our eggs in this basket and try to be happy and comfortable and all the rest. And there's nothing wrong with that sometimes, but gosh, we can never remember that we are made for eternity. And in fact, we're made for blessedness in eternity and to do and to do everything that we can right now pr- to prepare for that. So that's a kind of a reminder of the of that of that slogan that you that you reminded us of, Kyle. Thank you. 
Yeah, thank you, Kyle. I appreciate that. And and yes, and happy birthday, a day late indeed. And uh, to kind of uh, add on to what you were saying there too, I've said it before on the program, but one of the great uh, phrases that I've heard, not as profound as Tempest Fugit, Momentum Mori, but uh, is uh, once you're over the hill, you begin to pick up speed. So yes, <laughs> as, we, as we get older, we tend to uh, tend to become more aware of the fact that time seems to go more quickly. But uh, Father, thank you for your comments as well. And Kyle, thank you for the phone call. Again, if you'd like to get in on the conversation, 888-914-9149. Well, Father, before we take another break, I do want to turn the page a little bit and make sure that we do talk about the final judgment, the last judgment uh, that will come. What is the final judgment? So, yeah, this is the resurrection of all the dead, as I said, that we that we confess every Sunday. Um, and it's it's everybody, the just and the unjust. And this will, it'll be the resurrection of the dead, and then it will be this this kind of great revealing of, of, of everything. The truth uh, of Christ is going to be uh, in every person's relationship with God. Um, it's going to, everything will be revealed. Um, and, and that will come, uh, and, and that will come when Christ comes in, in glory, um, which of course we don't know when that's going to be. It could happen at any time. We know that mm-hmm. we're in the final, we're in the last age. And I think there are a lot of signs that in fact, we're in the last part of the last age, but I don't know. Uh, none of us does. Um, but we do know that everything was going to be made clear. And two things that I would just point out with that real quick, which I think find very interesting. The first is that um, we're going to see not just our actions, but also the consequences of our actions, both good and bad. Um, huh. and, and so it's going to be played out to the very end. Like everything in that sense will be made clear too. But the other thing, which is I find very kind of consoling, is everything about providence is going to be played out to the end too. We're going to show how he in all the mysterious ways of providence, all the things we don't understand now, and we say, like we scratch our head and we say, I hope God knows what he's doing, everything <laughs> is going to be made perfectly clear. <laughs> uh, and so there's something very consoling in that. There is, there is, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I got to admit that, yep, even <laughs> even after decades of trying to walk faithfully with the Lord, I still I still do have a lot of those scratching heads moments of, <laughs> well, I trust that the Lord knows what he's doing, but it's not always entirely obvious to me. So that is a great consolation, knowing that it's coming. It's coming. Just hang on. Well, again, our spiritual director today, Father Carter Griffin, rector of St. John Paul II Seminary, is with us to talk about the particular and universal judgment. What are your views on judging, on, on ju- judgment of Christ, not judging others? Put the judgment of Christ. Is it something that you fear that uh, that is you find more motivating out of fear, and maybe you have questions about how to change that, how to look forward to it in terms of getting to meet the Lord and to yes, being His uh, under His judgment, but uh, receiving His words, "Well done, good and faithful servant." Give us a call. Join the conversation. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Again, eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Or send us an email. Inner life at relevantradio.com. We're going to take our next break, but we got more of the conversation coming up right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers, invites high school juniors, seniors, and recent graduates to study the great books this summer at UD's two-week-long Arate program while earning three hours of college credit. Info at relevantradio.com slash udallas.
Welcome back to The Inner Life. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and Thomas Engeser taking your phone calls today, and to our spiritual director as well, Father Carter Griffin. Hey, it's not too late to get going on those Lenten uh, disciplines if you haven't uh, already done so. And even if you have, if you haven't added Father Rocky's Lenten lessons on the Mass to your Lenten disciplines, then just hop on over to relevantradio.com slash Lent and sign up to receive these great, very short videos that Father Rocky will lead you more deeply into the Mass and help you get more out of each and every Mass that you attend. Again, relevantradio.com slash Lent. Talking about the universal and particular judgment today here on The Inner Life, again with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin. And let's go back to the phones, Father. We've got John calling in from California. Good morning, John. Thanks for calling The Inner Life. Good morning. Um, my question has to do with um, the effect, uh, the the influence that we can have on others, family members in particular, where they've fallen away from the church. Um, my son in particular has young children. Neither of them have been baptized. Uh, he has no interest in the Catholic Church anymore. Um, and I don't even know how to broach the topic with him to say, look, you're, you're, you're affecting not just yours, but your children's eternal life. Um, and, I, you know, I feel like when I die, God's going to say to me, what did you do to influence your son? Tell me about that, you know? And so for me, that's, that's a concern. So that's, those are my yeah. comments. Thanks, John. Yeah, it's, um, it's a concern that many, many, many share. As you know, we all have <clears throat> family members and friends that uh, maybe have, were once Catholic, no longer are, maybe never were, and you'd like to see them become more faithful, closer to Christ. I, I mean, I think that... Um, what I'm going to say is certainly not revolutionary or, or, or new, I'm sure, to you. But, but to keep a couple of things in mind, the first is that this is um, God's fight primarily and not, not yours. He, he, he loves your son even more than you do and your grandchildren. Um, and and, to, re- and to, to know that is to, is to know that you have the greatest of all allies. <laughs> and, and also to know that at the end of the day, you're not responsible in this, for him in the same way that he's responsible for himself. Um, and, and to, do, to do your best and to influence him, just as you say, but to do so in a way that is most likely to be effective. So we know what is most effective. What is most effective is the order of grace, which means that it begins with prayer and sacrifice. And if we're not doing those, then you can have the most eloquent conversation in the world that it's not going to probably do a bit of good. So I think prayer and sacrifice is not a throwaway line. That's actually where we begin with those that we love that, and others, you know, that just people in general, but, but certainly starting with those in the order of charity closest to us. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to like conversations to have or whatever, books to share, things like that, a lot of it's going to depend on the kind of relationship you have with them because sometimes, you know, it can, it, it's easy to slip into becoming a nag, you know, or, or somebody who is actually off-putting. You know, in all of our zealous and, and, and well-intentioned desires to help people draw closer to Christ, we may be pushing them away and smothering them and, and irritating them and so forth. So I think there has to be a lot of, we have to be wise as serpents here. And in our prayer, uh, asking the Lord for help, for the guidance, for the prudence to know what is the right next step with this person or that person. And, and it might be that maybe you share, uh, you know, have him offer a book for you to read and you offer a book for him to read. Or it might be that, you know, that, that quiet conversation that comes up, you know, late, later in the evening one time when he's visiting, you know, might be the opportunity to, to just bring it out there and, and to say it very sincerely without accusation, without kind of that harshness that, or the judgment, you know, that just to say how, 
how much you hope that one day he finds the joy that you have found in being close to God, um, whatever it might be, but to have that, that humility to, rec- to recognize that you're, um, that you're doing this as a secondary figure, right? That it's primarily God in his grace that is working in your son's heart and in your grandson's heart. And it, it may come at a moment of crisis in their lives. It may come towards the end of their lives. We just don't know. The game is not over. You know, it's not over until it's over kind of thing. And so just continuing to stay strong and positive and joyful in your own witness of faith, which is going to often be the, the best way to influence somebody is just by showing them a compelling witness of what it means to be a Christian uh, and, and leave, it in, leave it in the Lord's hands and with a lot of peace. It's easier said than done. I know that too. Yeah, that's definitely true. And uh, while while we, you know, while John is still listening in here too, I wanted to ask: when you say prayer and sacrifice, Father, the first thing that jumps to my mind when it comes, when you're talking about those things is fasting. So, I mean, is fasting recommended in this type of situation? I think it certainly can be fasting. It can be really anything. Uh, it can be this offering up the small pinpricks of the day. It can be offering up, you know, small mortifications that we'd have at a meal um, or use of use of internet and devices. You know, one thing you can have is having a few mortifications that you try to do every day or maybe every week, whatever. And you can have different intentions associated with them. You know, so you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you know take the stairs instead of the elevator, and that's gonna be for 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 your for your son, you know, and then you have another thing. And this could be for the first grandchild, second grand, whatever it might be. So you could have intentions, or for anyone who is who is far from Christ, or those who are not in a state of grace, or those who are in war right now, whatever it might be for peace. Um, and so having those those small intentions associated with small sacrifices, and there may sometimes be big sacrifices. We may have a big illness, we may have a great suffering, we may get laid off from work or whatever. And these are all suffering moments that can, when yoked to to the cross of Christ, become great engines of, of grace in the world for, for our loved ones and for other causes and needs. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, of course, I suppose we should never forget about the holy sacrifice in the Mass, too. We're always yeah. invited to bring our personal intentions there as well. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, John, thank you so much. And uh, as Father's pointed out, I know that you're not alone in this concern. So our prayers for you, brother. Um, continue on in the fight and and. Uh, yeah, with the prayer and sacrifice, as Father was saying, in that order of grace, um, may may you see some marvelous fruit um, that's born out of your continued relationship with your son and his children. Well, thank you, John, for the call. Let's go now to Jose calling in from San Benito, Texas. Jose, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, uh, good morning. Um, my question to you, Father, is what's going to happen to those people or who, who already experienced uh, the first uh, judgment? during the second judgment, what happened to them? Uh, well, yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't think I really got into that. So after th- this will be after the resurrection of the dead, both the just and the unjust. So there will be, um, there will be the glorified bodies for those who are just. There will be also the resurrected bodies for those who are unjust, but they, their, um, their state doesn't change, right? So they're, they're still either in purgation and moving towards heaven or, or in heaven or, or, or in hell. Um, so nothing changes in that sense. What is what is different is that the rule of Christ has taken on a kind of the next stage of it and the final stage, which is the the stage for all eternity, which is where everything is now laid bare. There is no longer anything that is that is hidden. Um, so their status doesn't change, but sort of the status of the kingdom does, because this is after the after the coming of Christ, the last uh, the last judgment. Mm. 
Yeah, thank you for that clarification and good question, Jose. Thank you for that as well as we're talking about the particular and universal judgment here on the program today. 888-914-9149 is our phone number. Let's take one more call. Sal is calling in from Clovis, California. Sal, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thank you. Uh, My question is, I did some things when I was younger in the Navy and so on and so on, and then even when my wife and I first were married, uh, we didn't observe all of the rules of the Catholic Church. Um, Anyway, um, my question is this, Father. uh, My wife's passed away almost four years ago, and here lately or since then, I've been trying to grasp at straws, like buying buying books that I'd never get to read or try to read, can't do it. And then I try to contribute more in the basket on Sundays and so on. Uh, I know God don't play the game where I'm going to buy myself in. Uh, what should I do to get my head straight about getting myself into eternity? I hopefully my wife is there already. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Sal. Um, there is there is this perpetual temptation that we have to kind of what what else can I do um, in order to make sure or do the best I can to make sure that I'm on the path towards salvation. And and there, it's not a hundred percent wrong. I mean, there certainly are things that. That, that the Lord calls us to do, and he's, in, he's inspiring us to action all the time if you read the, if you read the Gospels. And, and, and we should try to educate our mind with those books, and you should try to contribute you know, to the church as you can. But, but all of those have to be seen in their correct light, which is to say that the, the, the primary agent in our life of grace uh, is not us, right? It's the Holy Spirit who gives us the grace, uh, beginning with sanctifying grace and all the actual graces, the sacramental graces, all these ways that he is inviting us into a deeper relationship. And in a sense, the works that we do are kind of confirming that and the overflow of that. Um, and so to, to put the cart before the horse, so to speak, and to say, well, I'm going to start with the works, and hopefully that leads me back towards a deeper relationship with God. And, and like you said, it's an understandable, because this is how it works in the rest of our lives. Typically, you know, if you, if you want to make more money in a business, and you work harder, and you do more things, you're going to make more money in the business. And, and there's a sense in which we can apply that to our life with, with God. And so I think the main thing would just be reorient, not necessarily doing away with those things, but rather putting them in their right place, which is secondary to falling in love again with God, right? And using all the means that he's given us, the sacraments and prayer and all these ways the, that, that he has given us to, to invite us into a deeper relationship with him and putting him in charge, you know, giving him, giving him the keys, so to speak, to every corner of your heart, uh, allowing him to be the main uh, pilot of your life. And that, I think, is where, and, and as we start to let go a little bit and try to control it a little bit less, we realize also that we grow in a lot of freedom and a lot of joy. And then all those works may come back, but they come back in a, without a sense of kind of clinging on to them because they're going to be our, our path into heaven because they really are not. Uh, it's only grace and grace alone that can do that. Amen to that. Sal, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate that. Prayers for you and uh, continuing on that there's a uh, work of grace in your life and all of our lives, and we say yes to that more and more each day. Father, just in a couple of minutes here before we ask for your blessing, uh, maybe just a little reflection from you on the virtue of hope and the role of hope in terms of facing the coming judgment of God. Sure. And so the hope is really uh, what is really about the judgment in a certain sense that we, we we hope for the kingdom of heaven we hope for for eternal life and and we do that because we place our hope in our trust in God's promises and 
um, it's very much what, what Sal was just talking about, that it's not on our own strength, but it's in the strength that God gives us, the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so we have, we have, because we have hope, we can face the coming judgment um, with a spirit of, of optimism and joy, um, knowing that, that God has desired us and, and willed us to receive the graces that we need uh, in order to be saved. All we have to do is basically say yes to them, correspond to them, and allow them to, allow them, you know, to, to actively impregnate our lives. Um, one thing I would also just say about hope real quick is that, you know, in, in Spes Alvi, Pope Benedict's uh, work on, on hope, he talks about sometimes we can lose hope because we fear that there's not justice in the world, because we see injustice, we see the evil that can be done. But he says that because of the judgment, we know that, and especially the final judgment, we know that everything will be made clear. And we know that even if we don't see the justice that we're looking for in this life, we can, through our hope, know that it will happen in the next life. It will happen at the final, at the final judgment, even in the particular judgment, that justice will be done. And that's not a sense of revenge. It's just a sense that, no, everything will be okay. Uh, at, all, at the end of all things, everything is going to be, everything is going to be okay. And that, help, that hope inspired, that, that knowledge of the, of the judgment inspires our hope and, and keeps our hope alive, in, even when sometimes, because it's a difficult world and it's a difficult life sometimes, even when sometimes it's a little bit, diffi- it's a little bit hard to hold on to hopefulness. So in that sense, the last judgment, um, the final judgment, particular in general, helps us sustain us as hopeful people throughout our lives. I love that image that the judgment actually fuels our hope. And that's a, that's one of the great ways that it is a gift to us. Father, it's been a great conversation. Thank you so much for that. May we have a blessing from you, please. Oh, I'd be delighted to, yeah. May the blessing of Almighty God descend upon you, all the, the producers and, the, and all those who assist here, the benefactors, and especially our listeners and their families, now and always, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's Father Carter Griffin. If you have missed any part of the program today, it's a great Lenten reflection, I think. Uh, Memento Mori is for recalling our death and recalling the coming judgment of Christ. Hop on over to relevantradio.com slash inner life and you can find this in all of our past shows. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we're going to be focusing in on the Eucharist, source and summit of our Christian life with Father Peter Arminio. And next is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Until next time, friends, grace and peace.